I'm Dylan Curtis, and this is the I'm Wondering Podcast. Well, hi, everybody. Hope you are doing well. Uh, I was having some serious technical difficulties as I was trying to get started. I was trying to record, and then it was making these weird robot sounds. So thankfully, uh, figured it out. Did the classic thing you do with any technology, which is restart everything. So uh, words of the wise, if something is not working, that's a piece of tech in your life, just start with resetting it and see if that works. Restarting, well, don't reset, because then you might reset all the settings and restart. We got to be clear on that. But thankfully, it's figured out, um, so I'm excited to be able to record and do another episode of the I'm Wondering podcast. We are going to cover something kind of fun, I think a very interesting thing, um, because of course, as I'm recording, it is St. Patrick's Day. Um, So we're going to cover, I'm wondering, who is St. Patrick? Um, So of course, everyone knows St. Patrick's Day. Uh, Many of us have festivities or do other things on this day and have a lot of fun with it. Um, But I don't know how many people actually know the life of St. Patrick. I'm sure some of you do. Um, But he had a pretty incredible life that I think is worth examining and looking at, um, especially since, you know, where we just had St. Patty's Day, if you're listening on Friday, if you're listening later, or whenever, maybe you're listening months from now, uh, we had St. Patty's Day, as you know. So it's a good moment to kind of step back and see how this individual became such a iconic figure uh, within the Catholic Church, and then, you know, even in broader society at this point, um, as we often celebrate on St. Patrick's Day by wearing green and you know, maybe you drink Guinness, or maybe you have a little bit of Irish whiskey, or maybe you uh, maybe you just enjoy some corned beef. I love corned beef. So whatever you do, uh, we all are familiar with the St. Patrick's Day, but who is St. Patrick? So I'm going to start off with just some straight history of his life. Um, this is from uh, Britannica, so it's a website that any of any of you could Google and find. So this is more or less straight from uh, Britannica, and then some from history, and then I'll get into some reasons uh, why I think it's important to look at St. Patrick's life and the lessons that he teaches us. So, um, but from uh, Britannica, this is what it says about St. Patrick. Uh, Patrick was born in the 5th century in Britain uh, to a Romanized family. Uh, At age 16, he was torn by Irish raiders from the villa of his father, uh, and it's going to be hard to say some of these names, but Calpurnius, I think, uh, not Copernius, but Calpurnius, a deacon and minor local official, and carried into slavery in Ireland. He spent six bleak years there as a herdsman, during which he turned with fervor to his faith. Upon dreaming that the ship in which he was to escape was ready, he fled his master and found passage back to Britain. There he came near to starvation and suffered a second brief captivity before he was finally reunited with his family. Thereafter, he may have paid a short visit to the continent, um, but they don't know. The best-known passage um, is in his uh, document, which is the Confessio. He writes his confession, um, and it tells of a dream. After his return to Britain, 
in which one uh, Victoricus (laughs) delivered him a letter headed uh, or titled The Voice of the Irish. As he read it, he seemed to hear a certain company of Irish uh, beseeching him to walk once more among them. Deeply moved, he says, I could read no more. Uh, And I'm not going to try and give an Irish accent when I read his lines as much as I'd love to. I'll keep that at home uh, with my wife who laughs at me when I try and do voices. Um, Nevertheless, because of the shortcomings of his education, he was reluctant for a long time to respond to the call. Even on the eve of re-embarking for Ireland, he was beset by doubts of his fitness for the task. Uh, anyone who's called into ministry um, in in like a full time capacity could probably resonate with. There are doubts that we face at times uh, of how ready we are for a task. Uh, once in the field, however, his hesitations vanished. Utterly confident in the Lord, he journeyed far and wide, baptizing and confirming with untiring zeal. In diplomatic fashion, he brought gifts to a kinglet here and a lawgiver there, but accepted none from any. On at least one occasion, he was cast into chains. On another, he addressed with uh, lyrical pathos a last farewell to his converts who had been slain or kidnapped by the soldiers of Coraticus. Careful to deal fairly with the non-Christian Irish, he nevertheless lived in constant danger of martyrdom. Uh, As many of you No, I mean, uh, Britain as a whole, and that had been more colonized by the Romans, hence why St. Patrick was raised in a Romanized family. Um, But there were still parts of the what we know as the United Kingdom that were very wild, uh, very Viking-esque, right? And there were a lot of a lot of tribes around. So the when it says something like kinglet, right? It's like a little king, and it's usually like an area and and kind of. Uh, lords over a tribe, if you will. So he's dealing with some very uh, violent people. Um, so it makes sense that his life was kind of in constant danger of martyrdom. Um, the evocation of such incidences, so like the recalling of such incidences, of what he called his uh, laborious escapade. Ep- 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 <laughs> Oh, I'm having a hard time reading this right now. Uh, was his reply to a charge to his great grief endorsed by his ecclesiastical? Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Ecclesiastical superiors in Britain. So that just means the church superiors. We, I could have just taken out ecclesiastical, um, but uh, to his superiors in Britain that he had originally sought office for office sake. So he's basically calling back to mind. He's evoking these incidences that happened to his superiors, saying, I was under constant threat of martyrdom. Um, so I'm not just seeking office for office sake. I've endured a lot. Um, so I'm not just trying to get a position, if you will. Uh, in point of fact, he was a most humble minded man, pouring forth a continuous praise of thanks to his maker for having chosen him as the instrument whereby multitudes who had worshipped idols and unclean things had become the people of God. The phenomenal success of Patrick's mission is not, however, the full measure of his personality. Since his writings have come to be better understood, it is increasingly recognized that, despite their occasional incoherence, they mirror, they mirror a truth and a simplicity of the rarest quality. 
not since St. Augustine of Hippo had any religious writer bared his inmost soul as Patrick did in his writings. As D.A. Binchy, the most critical of uh, Patrick's scholars, put it, the moral and spiritual greatness of the man shines through every stumbling sentence of his rustic Latin. And rustic, of course, kind of meaning he wasn't well-educated. Um, toward the end of his life, uh, he retired to Saul, where he may have written his confessio. Um, it is said that an angel conveyed to him that he was to die at Saul, the site of his first church, despite his wishes to die uh, within the ecclesiastical metropolis of Ireland, or the church metropolis of Ireland. His last rites were administered by St. Tussach. Um, so there you go. That is a very brief, succinct uh, kind of recounting of Patrick's life and what God did. Um, there are, of course, some legends. So these are interesting, right? Before the end of the 7th century, Patrick had become a legendary figure, and the legends have continued to grow. One of these would have it that he drove the snakes of Ireland into the sea to their destruction. Patrick himself wrote that he raised people from the dead. In a 12th century uh, hagiography places, I don't know, I actually don't know what hagiography is, uh, so I should have looked that up. But anyways, places this number at 33 men, some of whom are said to have been deceased for many years. He also reportedly prayed for the provision of food for hungry sailors traveling by land through a desolate area, and a herd of swine miraculously appeared. Another legend, probably the most popular, is that of the shamrock, which has him explain the concept of the Holy Trinity, three persons and one God, to an unbeliever by showing him the three-leafed plant with one stalk. Traditionally, Irishmen have worn shamrocks, the national flower of Ireland, and their lapels on St. Patrick's Day, which annually is March 17th. All right, so that's from Britannica. Um, very interesting um, stuff on his life and some of these legends. I think they're appropriate to keep in the legend category because, of course, they can't totally be um, proven or at least be. there's not a lot of evidence to completely back them up. So, so where did St. Patrick's Day come from? Uh, and this is from history.com. St. Patrick's Day is celebrated annually, of course, March 17th, the anniversary of his death in the 5th fifth, fifth century. St. Patrick's Day 2022, well, of course, it's taking place today as I'm recording this, um, Thursday, March 17th. The Irish have observed this day as a religious holiday for over a thousand years on St. Patrick's Day, which falls during the Christian season of Lent, which we are in. Irish families would traditionally attend church in the morning and celebrate in the afternoon. Lenten prohibitions against the consumption of meat, uh, which is very, very common in the Catholic Church, um, were waived on that day, and people would dance, drink, and feast on the traditional meal of Irish bacon and cabbage. Um, so the Catholics were nice enough to wave, wave this day so people could enjoy their meat. Um, when was the first St. Patrick's Day celebrated? Uh, since around the 9th or 10th century, people in Ireland have been observing the Roman Catholic Feast Day of St. Patrick's on March 17th. The first St. Patrick's Day parade took place not in Ireland, uh, but in America. Records show that a St. Patrick's Day parade was held on March 17th, 1601, in a Spanish colony in what is now St. Augustine, Florida. 
The parade and a St. Patrick's Day celebration a year earlier were organized by the Spanish colony's Irish vicar, Ricardo Artur. So there you go. What an interesting way for the first St. Patrick's Day to be celebrated by a uh, Spanish-Irish vicar <laughs> uh, before quite a ways before America was actually founded, right? 1601. Um, more than a century later, homesick Irish soldiers serving in the English mil- military marched in New York City on March 17th, 70, 1772 to honor the Irish patron saint. Enthusiasm for the for St. Patrick's Day parades in New York City, Boston, and other American cities only grew from there. So how about those celebrations? Let's talk about the growth of those celebrations. Uh, over the next 35 years, Irish patriotism among American immigrants flourished, prompting the rise of so-called Irish aid societies like the Friendly Sons of St. Patrick uh, and the... Hibernian Society? I don't know what that is. Another thing I should have looked up. Each group would hold annual parades featuring bagpipes, which actually first became popular in the Scottish and British armies. Uh, And, of course, drums. you got to have drums. Um, Well, some of you listening might say, no, you don't have to have drums. But, you know, there's bagpipes. You think drums are really going to cause any problems here? We, We need to balance it out. Uh, In 1848, several New York Irish aid uh, societies decided to unite their parades to form one official New York City St. Patrick's Day Parade. Today, that parade is the world's oldest civilian parade and the largest in the U.S., with over 150,000 participants. Each year, nearly 3 million people line the 1.5 million 5 million, 3 million people line the 1.5 mile parade route to watch the procession, which takes more than five hours. Boston, Chicago, Philadelphia, and Savannah also celebrate with parades involving between 10,000 and 20,000 participants each. In 2020, the New York City Parade, of course, uh, had to be canceled because uh, of COVID. So the this very long-standing large parade uh, was, you know, a victim of the pandemic. So that's unfortunate, but that is the reality. Um, so that's some history on St. Patrick and St. Patrick's Day. Uh, maybe you learned something, maybe you didn't. Um, but what I really wanted to get into a little bit deeper here today um, is what lessons can we learn from St. Patrick? Um, so this is a great quote from Franciscan media, uh, which of course is tied to the Catholics and the Franciscan order of monks, um, St. Francis, if that helps. Um, and this is what they have to say about Patrick. Legends abound, uh, legends about Patrick abound, but truth is best served by our seeing two solid qualities in him. He was humble and he was courageous. The determination to accept suffering and success with equal indifference guided the life of God's instrument for winning most of Ireland for Christ. Whenever I revisit the story of St. Patrick, um, I marvel a bit at his life. To be kidnapped, escape captivity, and follow God's call to return to the place that you escaped captivity is incredible. Um, I often wonder what the history of Ireland would look like uh, without St. Patrick. Um, And I'm convinced that God would have called others, of course, to lead a missionary journey to Ireland. But St. Patrick was fairly unique in his experience going from a a captive of 
Ireland and being a slave to escaping to returning again. Um, and so it's it's one thing to really follow a missional calling, but it's another to follow that to the country you just escaped not that long ago. Um, and to do all of this with just a, an immense amount of resilience and grit, um, I find that very um, inspiring. Uh, and I would say if we were to boil it down, that the thing that really helped Patrick was that he had courageous humility. Um, those terms feel almost at odds with one another. Uh, we have an idea of humility often being a meekness or thinking less of ourselves. Um, and, and courage is kind of being bold and brave and, and facing your fear. Um, so looking at Patrick's life, um, what might we believe courageous humility looks like? Um, and this is the real lesson, I think. Uh, and we're going to start by defining humility which we will use Philippians 2, 3, which says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Humility, then, uh, in my estimation, is removing ourselves from the center of the universe and putting others there instead. This begins, of course, with God being the center of our lives, then others. Uh, As the famous quote goes, Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking less about yourself. I don't know about you, but I've certainly struggled with this at times. Uh, Most of us are prone to think about ourselves a lot, um, or at least too often. Um, And this puts us into a mindset where we treat others or make decisions or act in a way that I think this question sort of is always on the forefront of our minds which is, what's the best outcome for me? Uh, And let's all raise our hands if we're guilty of that, right? And I'm raising mine right now. We all at some point are like that. Um, And humility is one of those things that requires a lifetime of intentional practice. Um, And it's something where in a given day, you might do super well uh, in some ways and fall short in others. Um, And and we're not perfect, right? So a confession for me in this area, because I think it's good for us to confess to one another. A confession for me is um, someone recently told me uh, that I'm not always the smartest person in the room. Um, And of course, my initial reaction was, yeah, of course, I'm not the smartest person in the room. You know, I'm not claiming to be. uh, But then I thought a little longer, um, how am I acting and speaking? Is it giving off the impression that I'm the smartest person in the room? If so, I believe I am misusing however much intelligence God has given me. Uh, Am I using that intelligence for selfish ambition or vain conceit, if we look back at Philippians, right? Has this alienated people around me at times? Um, You know, if I want to be proud, I'd say, no, of course it hasn't. That hasn't been the case, but it clearly has. Otherwise, that comment wouldn't have been made. Um, so it's fair, uh, you know, that that has been the case, even if, it's, if it wasn't my intention, that has been the case. So I'm in this moment searching my heart and asking God to help me see times where I'm not exercising humility, um, because my ultimate hope, uh, in this area of my life, especially is that anything I learn can be shared to help others, uh, grow in whatever way. 
Um, that's the mindset of humility, I think, is to be concerned with others and to share whatever we have, whatever God has given us, um, and to value people above ourselves. Um, so that's a confession from me. Um, I don't think that the that a lack of humility is always so obvious to us. I'll put it that way. Um, I think there's a lot of times in our lives where we're acting and behaving a certain way and we're not thinking we're proud or um, you know, being selfish or, or any of the things or having vain conceit, but maybe we are and we're not aware of it. And that's where it's important to have people who will bring that to your mind. Um, and I would also say, of course, like you, you have to be self-reflective. Like we all, we all do. And I have caught myself at times in life where I am leaning on my intelligence and I've used that to, uh, put people down and, and I've tried to move past that and grow in that cause that's wrong. Um, and I was very guilty of that, especially in my college years. So if you have been someone on the receiving end of me doing that, I apologize. Um, and I ask for your forgiveness cause that certainly is not what I desire, um, nor what I believe God would ask of any of us, um, in terms of being faithful and serving his mission. So, um, an important, really important part of humility is confession. So I am confessing, I know that I've done this, um, and I'm not trying to do it, but sometimes things happen that you're not trying to do, right? Like just because my intent isn't that doesn't mean, uh, what happens is that. So I am doing my best and I'm trying to grow in that area. And I pray all of you too, um, areas where you're maybe trying to grow to not be afraid, um, to admit and confess and to realize, um, that we fall short and that God is gracious to us um, and that we can ask for the grace of other people. Um, and I would say 99% of the time when you ask for someone's grace, a lot of times they will extend it to you. Um, so that humility piece is really important that we see in Patrick's life and something that's really important to our lives as well. Um, so let's move on to uh, courage. The basic definition of courage is the ability to do something that frightens one. It's to act in spite of fear, essentially. A good example comes from the book of Joshua, I believe. The Israelites are kind of on the precipice of entering the promised land, Um, but they are fearful. Um, The Canaanites inhabit the land. There's a lot of challenges ahead, so there's there's fear, even though they know God has brought them to this point. Um, And God responds to this fear in Joshua 1.9 when he says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. A biblical definition of courage might be this, if you were to ask me. The ability to do something that frightens one because they know God is in control. Uh, a secular view of courage would be that we we work up the, the strength and mental toughness to face our fears. It glorifies us as humans because we are the ones who take that step. Um, but that's not the view Scripture holds. The view of Scripture is to remind us that God is the sole reason we have courage. He is our courage. Uh, it is not by our strength, but by His strength that we can face what frightens us. So courageous humility, if we were to put these together, um, my definition would be uh, courageous humility is facing our fears, believing that God will be our strength so we can value others above ourselves for the sake of the gospel. Uh, That is exactly how Patrick lived his life. 
Um, it defied all human logic, um, but God is not bound by our logic. So beyond having a good drink on St. Patrick's Day, I believe the saint offers us the opportunity to reflect on these important qualities, to ask ourselves how God is making us courageously humble and how it serves his purpose and kingdom. And when we fall short, which we will, let's be quick to confess. Um, And if someone has confessed to you, um, please be quick to show compassion. Um, so that's St. Patrick's life, and th- that is, uh, those are some things I think we can learn from his life. Um, they're important. Um, we all have fun. St. Patrick's Day is a lot of fun, um, and I enjoy that part of it, and we wear our green, and we enjoy our drinks or our food, um, but I also really th- love the opportunity we have um, when days like this come around to not forget the people uh, these days these days are named after, and to ask ourselves, what was it about them that that God did um, that was so amazing that it, it sticks throughout history? So I I hope this was at least a little something for you to think about uh, during this St. Patrick's Day after, uh, or whenever you're listening to it. Um, what does it mean to be courageously humble, um, like Patrick was in his mission to Ireland, um, and and how might God help all of us to see? the ways we've fallen short and to help us uh, confess our sin and to lean on him and believe that he will help um, grow this quality within all of us so that we can value others above ourselves and share the gospel with them. So I hope that was something for you to think about today. And we'll go back to the lighthearted. My ending question is, I'm wondering, what is your favorite drink or food during St. Patrick's Day? Um, I am a big corned beef fan. So um, <laughs> two people here at the church, Stacia Keller and Gloria Borcher, helped organize a big St. Patrick's Day lunch. Um, uh, Gloria had a, has a Bible study here on Thursday mornings um, every other week, and so they as a group were able to just enjoy some good old Irish food together, um, and then Stacia also did a lot of work for that as well. So the staff benefited, which I'm not going to complain. Um, I enjoyed some corned beef uh, not too long ago. So I do love corned beef. Uh, I really love cabbage. I know some people, cabbage is so divisive. It's pretty funny to me, but I really love cabbage. So got to enjoy some of that on this day. Very thankful for the two of them putting all that together. So I hope uh, you have you have your thing and you get to enjoy your uh, St. Patrick's Day food and drink that, that whatever that is. And of course I would love to hear what that is. Um, if you want to email me at the I'm wondering podcast at gmail.com. Um, but for now I'm Dylan and this is the I'm wondering podcast.